Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. You still have a couple of weeks left, guys, before our promo code expires. All you've got to do is go to mybookie.ag today and simply use the promo code UGA. And when you sign up for a new account, whatever you deposit, whatever that first deposit is, up to $200, MyBookie's going to match that in cash. Not in playthroughs, not in bonus money, in actual cash added to your account. And to access that, all you've got to do is bet that initial deposit and then you can pocket that cash. You're not going to find a deal like that out there anywhere else, guys. So make sure to jump on it today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And today on the show, guys, we're going to focus on the transfer portal. You know, in the aftermath of the SEC championship win over LSU, there were two topics that we have gotten more questions on than any others by a wide margin. The first one, why does Keely Ringo suck? Like, we've got that asked in every possible variation. And no, I don't think Keely Ringo sucks. We've made that clear. He did not play well against LSU. There's been moments where he's had trouble finding the ball and his awareness has been lacking at times. But Keely's still a very talented guy and a valuable member of this team. But obviously, after the poor showing in the second half, especially against LSU, there were a lot of questions about Keely Ringo, especially facing Ohio State here in a couple of weeks. So that was number one. And then the second most popular topic was the transfer portal. Who are we getting from the portal? Who are we losing to the portal? And obviously, we've already covered the Keely Ringo question a couple different times in a couple different ways, but we've deliberately saved all of the transfer portal-related questions because I felt like there were just so many angles to it that it deserved its very own dedicated episode. I didn't want to spend two-thirds of a mailbag episode talking about the transfer portal and then give short shrift to all the other questions. So we just decided to move this off to its own episode, and that is what we are doing today. So to kick this thing off, let's go all the way back to last Monday, December 5th. That's really when the chaos started because per new rules that were passed by the NCAA last summer, that was the day the transfer portal window for college football officially opened for players to enter the portal. And that window will remain open until December 21st, which is the day the early signing period opens. And then it'll reopen for a small window in early January, 
and then again in early May following spring practice. So yes, while there were a multitude of players flooding the portal last Monday, I mean, I think last by last Tuesday or Wednesday, there were already over a thousand players in the portal. That number just keeps going up day by day. But even though there's already over a thousand players in the portal right now, that window to enter the portal will remain open for another week and a half or so. So there's going to be more names to come here in the coming weeks. I think especially after the bowl games, some of the players that maybe didn't want to be a distraction to their teammates and are holding off making the announcement, actually putting their name in the portal and just kind of working back channel stuff right now, their names will go in the portal. I think some of our guys right now who don't want to be a distraction to the team are waiting until after our season is over and then those names will go in the portal. So yeah, while last week was kind of overwhelming with the number of players entering the portal, there are still more players to come. But that's not really what I want to focus on today. I don't want to go through every player in the transfer portal. I mean, that's impossible. We can't do that. And I know that a lot of you want to know which players are going to transfer from our team. And I know that because we've gotten a lot of questions about that in the past week and a half or so. But the reality is I don't really know. So I don't want to spend really any time today discussing that and kind of speculating I have thoughts on who might, but I just, I mean, I can speculate, sure I can, but I don't want to get too much into that business because that's just, I don't know, man, that's kind of, I don't. it's not slimy, but I don't know if that's necessarily fair to the players as well. These guys don't transfer, so that's not what I'm going to do on today's episode. There'll be a time and a place for that once the season's over. All that's going to play itself out. Instead, what I want to focus on with this episode is ranking our needs in the transfer portal this offseason. You guys know, we talked about it all last offseason. We did not take a single player from the portal last season. Like Going into this year, we did not take one single player. No transfers. Which I thought, you guys heard me talk about it in the, in the preseason, I thought that was a really good sign for our team moving into 2022 and kind of a sign of how our coaches felt about our roster because if they didn't feel secure with the players that we had, you know that they would have been more of a player in the transfer portal and that just wasn't the case. So to me, that was a sign our coaches felt really good about our roster and that gave me a lot of confidence heading into this season. We've seen that kind of play out on the field. But I don't know if that's going to be the case heading into 2023. Because the way I'm looking at it right now, just kind of looking ahead, I think our prospective roster heading into next season does have some holes that need to be addressed and be addressed in a big way and be addressed immediately. I don't know if we have time for some of those positions to like develop guys, like bring in some of these talented freshmen that we've got in this 2023 recruiting class and develop those guys and have them be ready in a year, year and a half or so. I think we need help immediately at certain spots. And I do think the transfer portal is the fastest way to address those needs. Now, saying that, you do always have to have an awareness. You have to balance high school recruiting with portal recruiting. You have to do a little bit of both in this day and age. But I do think that relying on the transfer portal is not a sustainable recipe for success. I and mean, you can look at Michigan State. So in 2021, Michigan State was a 10-win team, right? Played in the Peach Bowl last year. Great year for them. Mel Tucker parlayed that into, frankly, an outrageous contract. Good for him, though. I mean, hey, get your money. But I think they might have a little buyer's remorse on that right now. And I know it's early. It's only one season. But they were not able to replicate the type of success they had in 2021 this season. And, uh, and that was in large part because in 2021, they brought in a ton of transfers and it worked. It all clicked. But this year, that same recipe didn't work to that same level. So it's just not something that I think is sustainable year after year to rely that heavily on bringing in that number of transfers, that quantity of players from the portal year after year. But 
in an isolated case or two, it can be a very useful tool to fill some of those immediate needs. You know, maybe a position where you had a lot of attrition, maybe guys got injured, maybe some of, some of those players entered the transfer portal, maybe some of them entered the NFL draft earlier than you thought they would, maybe you missed on some evaluations and recruiting. That happens, it does. And as well as we recruit and as well as we evaluate, our coaches aren't infallible. Like we, We've had a little bit of both. We've had some attrition at certain positions. We've missed on some evaluations. And that has created some needs on our roster that I believe, again, we do need to address immediately. And the fastest way to do that is through the transfer portal. And so let's go ahead and rank what I think are our top needs going into 2023 in terms of dipping into the transfer portal. At the top of that list, the, the most pressing need that I believe that we have projecting forward to next season is the wide receiver position. I think there's a little bit too much made at times about our wide receiver recruiting. I see people call it, say that our wide receiver recruiting has become a weakness. I think that's, I mean, I don't think it's completely up. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. What I would say is that it hasn't been a strength. I don't think our wide receiver recruiting has been weak. You know, we've gotten some good players in the port of the past couple of years, but what I will agree with is that it has been up to par with the rest of the roster, like the way that we recruit inside linebacker or offensive line or the secondary recently. Our wide receiver recruiting certainly has not been up to that standard. That's fair to say. But if you go back and look at it, we have landed a five-star here, there, a couple high four-stars. You go back to 2019, we landed George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock. And I know Dominic Blaylock has had some injuries, but Dominic Blaylock coming out of high school, guys, at a Walton was a really high-level player. There's a lot of excitement about him. He was a highly sought-after player. It was a big pickup for us. Both Pickens and Blaylock in 2019 were top 40 players. And then you follow that up in 2020, you've got the trio of Jermaine Burton, Marcus Rosemey, Jackson, and Arian Smith. All three of those guys were top 100 guys. And then you throw in Justin Robinson for good measure from Eagles Land. And that's another four star right there. So in the past three to four recruiting cycles, it's not like we haven't landed some big time recruits at the wide receiver position. That's why I say I don't think it's been a weakness. It just hasn't been quite up to par. You know, if you go back and you look at 2019, 2020, I ran the numbers. You know, in those two years, the receivers that we landed averaged out to being ranked number 92 nationally in the country. We only had one three-star in that two-year span. It was Lad McConkey. Now, I, I will say I did not include Lad McConkey in those rankings. I know that's kind of skews things a little bit, but Lad didn't have a ranking. He was unranked. So it's kind of hard to include a guy in there that's not ranked. What do you give him? Did you give him like a, a thousand or whatever? I don't know. I didn't include him in there. But if you look at Pickens, you got Blaylock, you got Burton, Rosamy, um, Arian Smith, Justin Robinson, those guys averaged a recruiting ranking of 92 nationally. So on average, we were getting top 100 guys for a two-year span there. The problem was with those two classes, injuries and attrition killed us there. And we were never able to capitalize on those players. So, you know, if George Pickens does not tear his ACL in the in the preseason last year, guys, or going into 2021, I'm very confident saying George Pickens would have been a thousand yard receiver last year. Maybe I'm wrong, because again, we've only had one in the history of our program, but I think George is that guy. I think he was that dude. And if you have a guy like that, George Pickens, who puts up big numbers, he got drafted in the second round, but what if he puts up 1,000 yards, gets drafted in the first round after a big year in a national championship run? Well, all of a sudden, that changes the dynamic. It changes the perception. One guy can do that. Truly, one guy can change the perception of a position group at a university. I think George could have done that, unfortunately. 
tore his ACL. It is what it is. Donovan Blaylock. I don't think he was ever George Pickens level good, but in 2019, he was making some big, some big plays for us. That touchdown at Auburn was a huge play for us in that game. That was a tight game. But Blaylock, you know, back-to-back ACL tears, and he's come back, and, you know, God bless the guy for fighting back the way he has, but he's never been the same guy. He's been a good, valuable piece for us since he's been healthy, but hasn't been anything close to what his high school recruiting profile would have suggested he would have been. And then we know, we all know what happened with Jermaine Burton. You know, he transferred out, but he was also banged up quite a bit, you know, leading into that. Marcus Rosemey Jack saying his leg fell off against Florida and he's been back. Um, he's in Rosemey's getting, I, I, he's, I mean, he's back to full speed and I think he's getting better and better. I'm not quite ready to give up on Marcus Rosemey Jackson. He might not ever be an alpha type guy, like a, a number one, you know, X receiver, but I think that he's a very valuable piece for us. Arian, I mean, He's the poster child for inability to stay healthy. And then Justin Robinson is also a guy that we lost the transfer port. He's actually at Mississippi State right now. So again, it hasn't been like we haven't landed some big-time recruits in the past three four years. We've just had a lot of attrition there, whether it's the portal, whether it's injuries, whatever. Those guys just haven't really fully panned out the way that we'd hoped they would based on their recruiting. I mean, obviously Pickens was the closest to that, but the ACL thing was certainly a blow for us in 2021, getting him back, not, I guess, late in the season, but really didn't use him hardly at all throughout the entire national championship run. And then that attrition was exacerbated by our wide receiver recruiting over the past two cycles. Now, this is where I would say, okay, if you want to argue our our receiver recruiting has become a weakness, the last two cycles, I'll listen to you. I'll listen to you. Because in the last two cycles, so we're talking about 2021 and 2022, we have not signed a single wide receiver ranked higher than number 231 nationally, according to the 247 composite ratings. We've signed three four-stars and three three three-stars. And going back to the number I just told you a few minutes ago, from 2019 and 2020, those two classes combined, the receivers that we were landing outside of Lab McConkie, who was not ranked at all, averaged top 100. 92 nationally was the average. Well, over the last two cycles, the receivers that we have landed have, aver- have an average ranking of 448 nationally. That is not getting it done, right? Any way you slice it, the last two cycles have been bad. And we are feeling that right now with the receiver depth, the quality of depth in our receiver room. So heading into next season, now this is assuming that everyone with eligibility returns. Donovan Blaylock is not going to be back. At least I don't think he's going to be back. I think he could maybe change his mind. He's got a COVID year. But he did walk with the seniors on senior day against Georgia Tech, so I don't think he's coming back. But if all the guys that can come back do come back next year, as far as I'm concerned, we have two players in that wide receiver room that I trust to be consistent playmakers, actually going out there and catching footballs. Number one, you got Lad McConkie, of course. You got, he's been a warrior for us all year. And A.D. Mitchell, although he's been banged up and hurt and out almost the entire year, I saw enough from him last year and he's been healthy this year, early in the year, I guess week one against Oregon, to tell me that this guy can be that consistent playmaker. But that's it. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, it's a two-man list. There's two names on that list right now. And that's not to say the other guys don't have value. They do. We have some other nice pieces that do add value to the team. Marcus Rosemey Jackson is an incredibly valuable player for us. He's shown that he can make some plays in the pass game, but he's not a consistent playmaker out there. The defenses have to game plan for in terms of the passing game, but he is a ferocious blocker. He is the ultimate team guy out there. He's a great locker room presence kind of guy. He's a leader. You want that kind of guy on your team. I love me so Marcus Rosemey Jackson. Dylan Bell, true freshman, so still a lot to play out here for him. But what I've seen from him this year, while a good player, a solid player, a contributor for us, have any of you seen anything from him this year to suggest that he's going to be a dynamic playmaker for us, like a true alpha number one receiver? 
I haven't seen that yet. Now, I'll give him time to grow into it, but I can't in all honesty sit here and say I've seen that from him, from him this year. Jackson Meeks is another guy that's gotten some playing time. I like the physical profile from him. I actually liked him a good bit coming out of high school. I think that he can be a pretty good player, but I also don't think he's going to be A.D. Mitchell. I don't think he's going to be a George Pickens caliber type guy. I don't think he's going to be that guy. I think he's a really nice complimentary piece. Now, we do have one other guy that I think could be dynamic at receiver if, and it is a massive if, if he can stay healthy long enough to start to develop more as an actual wide receiver. And that, of course, is Arian Smith. I am extraordinarily high on Arian Smith. I've been extraordinarily high on him for a long time. He was a borderline fringe top 50 guy coming out of high school, and he is speed personified. The problem with Arian, as we all know, is that he has had so many injuries that he's had to deal with. And it's not the guy's fault. I don't, I'm not going to use the the term like injury prone. I hate that word. Like sometimes things just happen, right? And guys get hurt. I don't want to put that on him at all. This guy works extraordinarily hard. Kirby loves him. Coaches love him. He's a grinder. He wants to be good. And he's just had some really, really bad injury luck. But the reality is he has been injured far more often he's been available. And so that has stunted his development. Not only has he not been on the field to make plays for us, it stunted his development as a receiver because he was he was a track guy coming out of high school and he was like a receiver on the side. Like he needs development and he needs to polish his game. And it's been really hard for him to do that. That's why even though he's been back for, you know, two months. It's hard for him to get on the field consistently because he's still developing. He's like, he's basically a freshman developmentally. He's missed so much time. That's basically what this guy is. Like from a developmental standpoint, time actually on the field, on the practice field, he's essentially a freshman. And so he's still very much learning how to play that position. Now, if he can stay healthy and he can polish that game, I mean, he's got the tools, man. Like he's got the tools. And I think he can be that kind of player for us. And I'm certainly crossing my fingers, holding my breath and holding out hope that he will actually turn to that guy because we need him. We definitely need him. But are you ready to count on that? I don't think I am. I, I want to believe. I really do. I want to believe so badly. But all I can go off of is what I've seen through his first three years here in Athens. And the guy just has had a lot of trouble staying healthy. So it's hard to like fully like just go all in on that and count on him being fully healthy. And then in this current recruiting class, the 2023 cycle, I, we have some guys that I really like, like that are already committed. Tyler Williams is a top 100s player who I think is a really, really good player. I don't think enough people are talking about him in this class right now as we get closer to signing day. And after, obviously after signing day, we'll have a recap episode and we'll dig more into the individual players in this class. But Tyler Williams is a guy that I am very, very high on. Anthony Evans is a guy that kind of went back and forth between us and Oklahoma. We thought we were going to get him when he initially committed a couple months ago, but he, he kind of surprised us and committed to Oklahoma. And then like, Almost instantly after that, you hear reports about how he's like reaching back out to our staff saying, oh yeah, guys, my bad. I made a mistake. And then, you know, sure enough, a couple months later, he is now in the fold here in our recruiting class. And he is another guy like Arian Smith, smaller, uh, more of a slight frame, but speed personified. That is his game. So we have a couple guys in this class that I really do like. We've done a better job recruiting in this class. But the thing is, and you'll hear me say this a couple times throughout this episode, I do not like to be in the business of counting on true freshmen to fill holes for you. You can hope and you can want them to, but I don't think that can be your plan. To me, anything a true freshman gives you is just gravy. It's icing on the cake. Like it's a luxury. It's not something that you count on because you just don't know. There's so many variables that go into like which true freshman is ready to contribute at an early stage. It's just, there's too much variance there. So uh, again, I think there's two playmakers. There's two guys I think are proven playmakers at receiver going next year that that we can count on if they stay healthy and everybody comes back. Glad McConkey and A.D. Mitchell. But to be perfectly honest with you guys, and maybe I'm being greedy here, that's fine, maybe I am, 
But two playmakers at that position, the way the football, offensive football has evolved over the years, two playmakers at the wide receiver position, that's not enough for me, especially considering attrition. Think about the injuries that we've had at that position the past couple of years, guys. I mean, dear God, I mean, George missed basically all of last year. Dom missed like, what, two years. Uh, Jermaine Burton, I've transferred out, but he was banged up each you know, both of his first two years, especially last year. Arian Smith hasn't been able to stay healthy. Marcus Rosemey Jackson's leg fell off against Florida. I mean, we've had so much attrition at that position. I mean, Lad McConkey's been playing banged up where he's hardly been practicing all year. So if we're going to go into next year with only two guys that you kind of trust to be consistent playmakers there, with all the attrition we've had at that position, that's crazy. That's insane. We cannot do that. Our offense, as you guys have heard me say for a couple of years now, despite what people out there in the national media want to want to say, what narratives they want to push, our offense has been elite. It has been. Let's look at the numbers. But there is the next level that this offense can go to. And for us to take this offense to the next level, I'm a firm believer that we need more playmakers at wide receiver. So in this transfer portal class, I think that we need at least, at least minimum one impact player. When I say impact player, I'm talking about a guy that comes in immediately and is helping you win games right away and is a big part of why you're winning those games right away. We need at least one impact wide receiver from the portal, preferably two, but at least one impact guy. And that is my rule. Like this is my informal rule. I know nobody cares what I think. The coaches aren't listening to me, but my rule when it comes to like taking guys from the portal, should we or should we not, is that that guy has to be an impact player. He has to be able to come in and be an impact guy right away. If we don't think he can be an impact player, don't take him. You don't want dead bodies on your roster. We like Roster spots are way too valuable. We do not need another Jonathan Rumpf situation, if you remember that name from years ago. We do not need another situation like that where guys just take up a roster spot for years and years and years. Can't have that. So we need at least one guy. So who is that guy? Or who are those options? I think at least one, preferably two. The, the first name out there right now is Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State. Now, I'm pretty familiar with this guy because I knew that we were playing Mississippi State this year. So all last year, I was watching Mississippi State closely, getting ready to play them. I watched them all offseason, watched all their games from last year. And he was the guy, Makai Polk was the number one receiver for Mississippi State last year. But Ra Ra Thomas as a freshman was a guy that I was like, oh, that guy, that that guy's going to be good. Like he flashed when you watched him play. And then sure enough, this year, he does grow into their top receiver. He's a, he's a bigger guy, 6'2", 200 pounds. So like a really good size, like an X receiver. He can also play Z as well. But this year, he had 44 catches for 626 yards in Mike Leach's air raid offense. I know that might not sound like a lot when you consider how much they throw the football. But one of the things that that is a hallmark of the Mike Leach offense is balance is defined as distributing the ball evenly amongst all your playmakers. It's not run pass balance. It's like, are you making sure all these guys are touching the ball relatively evenly? And so they have five guys with more than 300 yards receiving, but Rara Thomas was their top receiver. He was in Athens this weekend. He came Saturday night and was in town through Monday. So a good solid two days here in town on an official visit. He went through. He went to Ole Miss first and came here. Uh, from what, what I understand, he's going to go to Auburn next week, but I really like our chances here. Everything I'm hearing is that we are going heavily after him right now, and we are pouring some, some energy, some effort, some resources into landing him, and I feel like we have a very good shot there. He's a guy that can go out there and win those contested balls. You have to have players like that, but I also think he's a guy that can make some plays after the catch. I like what he brings in terms of, of athleticism, good, strong hands, and he's a guy that been a very dependable target for Mississippi State for a couple of years now. So he is certainly number one on my list right now. And the number two, and this is a this is a very close second, is Dominic Lovett 
from Missouri. Now, there hasn't been as much smoke, not as much smoke, with us and Dominic Lovett at this point. But I have started to hear more of the couple last couple of days that we are taking a, a long hard look here, and we're actually we're actually getting involved in his recruitment. Now this guy is a is a dynamic player, and I mean, he's more of a slot receiver guy. Um, but I, I I am convinced you have to have guys like this on your roster in modern football. These are the guys that are so difficult to defend. Do you want a guy that can go up there and high point of football, win a 50-50 ball, like, you know the old the old school classic tall long guys receiver? Sure, those guys have a, a place on your roster for sure. You need some of those guys, red zone targets, all that. They can absolutely play. You need them. But when I watch college football, when I watch NFL football, I see all these smaller, shiftier, just insanely speedy receivers that are just so insanely difficult to cover out of the slot. Because number one, if you put in the slot, you can't get a press on them, right? Because you're they're playing off the ball. You can't press on the line of scrimmage. And so they have a free release, and they don't have the sideline to work with there, so they can go left, they can go right, they can break inside, they can break outside. It's extraordinarily difficult for slot DBs to defend those guys. And you can create a lot of matchup problems with linebackers, potentially safeties. Those guys who can get in and out of their breaks really quick on just simple like option routes. Those guys, to me, have become the new weapons in college football. And those are guys I've been salivating over for years. And the guy that we had, like, Lad's the closest we have to that right now. Arian, I know he's a smaller guy. He's not really that kind of guy. He's a straight line fast. He's not as, like, shifty and quick and out of breaks as a guy like Dominic Lovett is or a guy like Josh Downs is for North Carolina. Those are the guys that I have been salivating after for the past couple of years. Like I want one of those. And I think Dominic Lovett can be that guy for us. He had 56 catches for 846 yards for Missouri this year. And that's in a Missouri offense that was dreadful this year, guys. They were terrible on offense. So putting up those kind of numbers with that offense, with that quarterback play by Brady Cook... That is, I mean, that equates to about 1,500 yards in in a, in a competent offense, if, if you want my honest opinion there. So I think Dominic Lovett would be an incredible addition. I think he'd be a play, he's a playmaker for Missouri. He'd be a major playmaker for us if we were able to land him. And if we were able to get him and Thomas, he'd be a really nice compliment to Thomas, who's more of an outside receiver. You have Lovett there playing in the slot. It's sounding, I don't have any confirmation on this, at least as of right now, I'm recording this Tuesday night. It's sounding like, he will be on campus this weekend. So watch that this weekend, guys. That is huge news. I'm telling you, this guy is a playmaker. He made a couple plays against us in that Missouri game earlier in the year. This guy I want, and I want badly. But if it's not Love It, the next name I'm going to mention here is a name that we're pretty familiar with because we just saw him here play between the hedges a couple weeks ago. And that is former Georgia Tech wide receiver Nate McCollum. He was the one that beat Javon Bullard on that slot fade for it wasn't a touchdown, but set up a touchdown on that first drive. And he is a player with the, the profile more like Dominic Lovett, where he is a slot receiver. He had 60 catches for 655 yards in an outright terrible Georgia Tech offense. I mean, as bad as Missouri's offense was, Tech was that was was that much worse. And a big part of that was that they were playing with backup quarterbacks most of the season. Jeff Sims was in and out early in the season and he went out, you know, the first throw of the season, he was out for good. And they had a backup quarterback and they had a third string quarterback. And he still was able to put up over six over um six hundred and fifty yards receiving last year. So this is a guy that I think is explosive. I think he's he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. And he made plays for a Georgia Tech offense that had a lot of trouble making plays. So I would take Lovett over McCollum, but McCollum, I don't think there's much of a gap there. So I would also have McCollum there. I'd be recruiting him heavily and just say, hey guys, like we want two guys. First two to commit, we're taking you. 
Right now, it does look like we have better chances with, with Thomas and Lovett, but I wouldn't shut the door with McCollum. I just haven't heard as much about him. So if we're able to land one or two of those guys, I think that would make our offense just that much more dynamic. It would allow guys like AD and Lad McConkey to operate more in single coverage. It would give them more opportunities. And even Brock Bowers, who's been Mackey Award-winning Brock Bowers, has been awesome for us for two years. I think even though there's more guys to be sharing the ball with, it would make them more effective because there's more players for the opposing defense to have to worry about in the pass game. But wide receiver is definitely at the top of my list of needs in the transfer portal heading into this offseason. And we're going to keep this thing rolling here in just a second, guys. But before I do that, let me quickly remind you about our guys at my bookie. Bowl season starts this weekend, guys. I love bowl season. I know it's kind of lost some of its luster for a lot of people out there with guys opting out and the cultural playoff getting all the attention. I get that. But guys, I watch every single bowl game. I love it. It's the last taste of caution ball that we get for nine freaking months. So I enjoy every last second of it. And part of enjoying every last second of it, especially these games with teams that I don't really have much of a, a, a rooting interest in, it makes those games a lot more exciting. I mean, it's college football, so I'll watch it regardless, but it makes them a lot more exciting, get a lot more into it if you have a little bit of money on it, if you raise the stakes a little bit. So I, I literally, guys, I bet on every single bowl game. I have either I'm taking the, the side, I'm taking a point total over the under, I'm betting something on every single bowl game, and you guys can do the same thing. Charlie and I will be back later this week to give you part one of our bowl picks. But now's the time, guys. It's the last-ditch effort to bet on college football. So if you've been waiting, go ahead, sign up today. Go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code UGA. It's simple, guys. It'll take you like one minute. You can lock it in. And then whatever that first deposit is, and only deposit what you're comfortable with. It doesn't have to be a lot. It's just fun, right? We're just having fun out there and trying to win a little, little spending money. But whatever you deposit up to $200, MyBookie is going to match it if you use the promo code UGA. And that's going to go straight to your account as cash. It can be withdrawn as soon as you bet that initial deposit. It's a no-brainer, guys. Go ahead and jump in on the action today. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, let's keep this thing rolling. So, wide receiver, definitely number one on my list of needs. Coming in at number two, would be the edge rusher outside linebacker position. And if there is a position on our defense going to next year that equates to our wide receiver recruiting, 
it has been outside linebacker. You know, just like with wide receiver, it hasn't always been a disaster with Kirby Smart. It hasn't been a disaster either. It hasn't been a weakness. It just hasn't been a strength, right? But going back to like 2018, 2019, we had some really good outside linebacker classes. We signed Adam Anderson and Britton Cox in 2018. Both were five stars. Then 2019, we followed that up with Nolan Smith and Jermaine Johnson. Uh, Nolan was the number one overall recruit in the entire country in 2019. Jermaine Johnson was the number one JUCO player in the country in 2019. And then in 2020, we signed MJ Sherman, who was a former five-star early on in his in his high school career, dealt with an injury, dropped to a high four-star, but we we're still at that time we we're feeling like, hey, MJ Sherman, good player, right? So it looked like we had a, you know three classes in a row, like really high-level recruiting at that outside linebacker position. But things have um, certainly taken a turn for the worse since that point. Really, since 2019. Because in 2020, we signed MJ Sherman. But you guys know MJ Sherman has been a non-factor for us on defense. He's been a really good special teams player for us. I'm not trying to dog the guy at all. I know he works really hard. But in terms of playing outside linebacker, he has been MIA on the field in meaningful situations. And that's a guy, and you hate to bring it down. because It wasn't like we chose him over Will Anderson. It wasn't like, okay, we're going to take MJ Sherman, we're going to take Will Anderson. But... We took MJ Sherman in that class from the the Washington D.C. area, and then Will Anderson's here in the state of Georgia as a local guy, and we don't take him. He goes to Alabama, and he becomes what Will Anderson became. So, and that's not MJ Sherman's fault. It's really not fair to. It's not. It's really not fair to compare him to Will Anderson. But I mean, it's kind of inevitable when you look at that. And you say, "Wow, wow, Will Anderson, dude, the pressure won the Heisman Trophy last year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year this year." And he was a Georgia kid, and we didn't take him an outside linebacker, and we took MJ Sherman over him, and he has been like hasn't even played for us, has not played meaningful snaps for us on defense his entire career. That is a tough pill to swallow. So it's kind of it kind of started there, and then in 2021, which was the COVID year, so there were extenuating circumstances there. But in 2021, in that class, the only player that we signed as an edge player, as an outside linebacker, a guy that plays that position now, is Chaz Chambliss. And Chaz is a really hard worker, and Chaz is improving each and every week that he has a chance to get out there and play. But Chaz was not a high level recruit. I mean, he was a, a top 400 guy. It was what number 387 nationally. He was a, he was a four star, but a, a mid range to lower range four star player. And he, he's a valuable player for us. He's a valuable piece, but he's not a dynamic edge rusher. He's just not, he's just not that guy. He, he, he's simply not. And then in 2022, so this last recruiting cycle, our, our true freshman right now had a nice class. He signed Marvin Jones Jr. late in that class. It was a really late get for us, a big time get to kind of put a cherry on top of that class. Top 25 player, five star, Darius Smith is a four star. I think he has some really high upside, but neither one of those guys have made an impact this year. I'm certainly not giving up on those guys. I'm high on both of them, but they've both bowed injuries this year. They were both freshmen, and that's a tough position to kind of make an impact as a true freshman because it's a man's league online of scrimmage in the SEC. But they, the, the fact remains, neither one of those guys has made an impact yet to this point. Very early in their careers, I'm not giving up on them. I still think very highly of both those guys, but they did not make an impact this year. And just like receiver, it's kind of been a mix of of, of attrition, um, guys leaving, injuries. Uh, we know that Jermaine Johnson transferred out. We know Brent Cox transferred out. Adam Anderson, like we know what happened there. Like, ugh, that's ugly. It happened there. Uh, Nolan going down this year with the pec injury. I mean, dear God. I know it's been two months since he went down. We played a bunch of games since then. I'm still scared to death of the fact that he's not out there and that we've got Chas Chambers, Robert Beal that we that we have to roll with. And again, those guys are good players. They 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 are they are good, solid players, but they're just not Nolan Smith. We're just not dynamic in that position and playing elite teams that's, that we're gonna have to play in the college football playoff, that's still very much a, a concern for me. So recently the past couple of classes 
recruiting that position, edge rusher, has been an issue for us. We started to improve it last year with Marvin Jones Jr. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think Darius Smith's got a high upside as well. But the guys that we've got right now that we're relying on, do we really want to go into next year rely on those type of players? I, I don't feel comfortable on that. I really don't. I just don't. So you have to look at what we're going to have next year. Like, what is the roster going to look like? Well, the guys that we are recruiting right now in this 2023 class and guys that we have committed all are extremely talented players. Samuel and Pimba that we just locked up last week is a guy that is like the first but first guy off the bus type guy, like just an absolute physical freak. He needs some development as a pass rusher. He's only really been doing it full time for a year. The guy at IMG that's actually been playing over him, Gabriel Harris, is also on our commit list. He's not as highly ranked as in Pimba, and Pimba's a five star guy. Harris is a, 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 basically a top 100 ish type guy. But I think he's been more dynamic at the high school level at that position as a pass rusher. He's far more polished. I think he has a chance to make more of an impact early in his career than Impimba does. And then the big name out there, if we're able to land him, it looks like it's down to us in Ohio State, is Damon Wilson. He's the number 12 player over on the country according to the 247 composite. He's a five-star at that position. So those are the guys that we have coming in next year. But it's kind of like with Marvin Jones Jr. and Darius Smith this year. Do you really want to count on those guys? Even though we feasibly have three top 100 guys coming at that position and we're refilling the coffers there, do we really feel comfortable counting on true freshmen and a redshirt freshman, Marvin Jones Jr. and Darius Smith, who didn't really do much this year? Like Maybe they're going to be awesome. I hope they are. I think they could be, but we just don't know. I Again, like I told you earlier, I don't like to be in the business of counting on freshmen. Like How did that work this year? So I very much believe that we need to scour the known earth in the transfer portal this year for an impact guy rushing off the edge. The problem is looking at the guys that are in the portal right now, and I've looked at as many names as I possibly can, I don't know who that guy is in terms of the players who have their name in the portal right now. I just don't know if that guy is out there. I thought maybe it could be Desan McCullough from Indiana. I thought he was maybe a little undersized. He was a really good player for them as an outside linebacker the past year or so, but he's already committed to Oklahoma. So that one, that one's out the window. That's not going to happen. So I don't know who that guy is, but we need to find that guy. And maybe it's somebody that hasn't entered the portal yet. And I'm hoping that's the case. Maybe one of these big time guys is waiting for after their season to be over. It might enter the portal and, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. But we need to find somebody, man, because I just I don't feel comfortable going into next season with Chaz Chambliss and Marvin Jones Jr., Darius Smith, and all these freshmen. Again, I think Marvin Jones Jr. and Darius Smith can be really good, but we don't know that. That's an unknown. It's an unknown right now. Our coaches know more than me, so if they're satisfied and they're happy with it, that's fine. They see these guys in practice. I will defer to them. I will trust them, but me as a fan sitting from my seat, what I've seen, like how can I sit here and trust that Marvin Jones Jr. is going to be ready? I know he's been banged up a little bit the past couple of weeks, but we've had essentially no depth at that position. And as solid as Beal and Chaz have been for us, you guys know they're not dynamic. They're not. Jones Jr. has the the dynamic athleticism, but if he's not getting in there right now, I'm just supposed to just on faith believe he's going to be ready to be that guy next year? I hope so. I just don't know. That's why I would prefer to go out there and find a proven commodity that's going to be an impact player for us next year. Now, again, you got to balance, right? When you do that, you run the risk of potentially alienating one of the talented freshmen and Pimba, Harris, Damon Wilson. I understand that. But when you're coming to a program like this, you have to compete regardless. If you're scared of competition, don't come here. So if we're bringing a guy in from the transfer portal, we'll beat him out, right? Don't run from it. Come here. Now, some guys will run from it, but hopefully our coaches, if 
if we need to bring a guy in from the portal and that's what we want to do, we'll be able to mitigate that and kind of handle that on the recruiting front with those players. The, they We have an incredible recruiting staff, so I hope that wouldn't be a problem. Hopefully you point those guys that, look, this is a one-year thing. We want to make sure like you can have every chance to, to play, but we got to make sure that we have enough players in this room. Hopefully you can sell them on that. I don't know. That is a risk you run there, but... I don't know. I, I, I'm just of the belief that we need to go out and find a big-time edge rusher if that guy is out there in the portal. You can't reach on guys, right? That's my rule. You can only take a guy who's going to be, an, if you think he's going to be an impact player, you don't want dead bodies on your roster. But if, if, that, if a guy like that shows up in the portal, I think we have to make a run at him. I really do. So edge rusher is certainly a close second on my list of needs that we need to address in the transfer portal this year. And we're going to continue on with our list in just a minute. But first, let me tell you guys about our friends at Alumni Hall. They've got you covered, guys. Anything and everything that you want that has a G on it, that has a Bulldog on it, that's Georgia-related, Alumni Hall is your go-to place. They've got all the gear you can want, all the accessories you can want, whether you're in the market for hoodies and cold weather gear, Q-zips, jackets, whether you're trying to find a nice coffee mug here, for the cold weather, whatever it is, a new hat, a new beanie, whatever, they've got it all, guys. They really do. They have every brand you could ever imagine. Whatever your preference is, they are going to have it. I've been a long-time patron of Alumni Hall. I'm talking like since they opened, guys. I remember like the week they opened, I went there and checked it out, and I was like, oh my God, Like I mean, I'm in a wonderland right now. Like this Is this heaven? And I have not slowed down one bit since that day. So Join me, guys, and do all of your Christmas shopping for all the Georgia fans in your life at Alumni Hall, because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, got just a couple of quick positions here. I, I really, I think it's two positions that we really have major needs at that I would like for us to at least explore answering and addressing in the transfer portal, wide receiver and edge rusher, as we laid out with those first two positions. But there's a couple other positions that I think that we need to take a look at. I don't think they are as pressing and as urgent, but defensive tackle is another position that if the right player enters the portal that we believe can be an impact player year one for us as soon as he comes here I think it's worth exploring and this is not me saying I don't think we have some good players in that defensive tackle room I do of course I do I love Nas Tackers that guy has been awesome for us replacing Jordan Davis he hasn't been Jordan Davis but he's been really good for us Zion Logue's a really valuable player for us Bear is a true freshman Bear Alexander is going to be awesome Warren Brinson is a really dynamic player on the interior for us but let me ask you right now guys of those guys I just listed out there which of those guys is a proven game changer? Still listening. Anyone? Nas? Great player. Game changer? No. Zion Lowe? Great player. 
Game changer? No. Bear Alexander, really high potential, could grow into a game changer. Has he been that guy yet? He hasn't been yet. Could be next year. I hope so. But I have to see that first, right? Warren Brinson, he's done some really good things, rushing the passer for us from the interior positions, from the interior detackle positions. But dynamic game changer that you're, that you're game planning around, he's not that guy. The fact is, going to next year, we don't have a Jordan Davis. We don't have a Devontae Wyatt. We don't have a Jalen Carter. We don't have those guys on our roster, at least in terms of proven players that have proven they can do that. And having those kind of guys on our defensive line over the past couple of years has been a massive key for our defensive success overall and controlling the run with even numbers in the box. It's been a huge key for us. So while, yes, I am comfortable and confident that we have good players on the defensive line going next year, do we have that one game changer? Right now, I would say no. I don't think we haven't seen someone that has proven they can be that guy. We have a couple of candidates that could be that guy, but could is not proven. So if there is a proven game-changing change, defensive tackle that enters the portal and is li- willing to listen to us, I think we have to pursue that. I truly do think we have to pursue that because that is such a key position for our defense and it's been a big reason for why we've had so much success defensively over the past couple of years. So I would take a look there. Don't reach like any of these positions, but especially not defense tackle. Don't reach, but if, if the right guy shows up, definitely Definitely spin the tires there. And then the last position I want to talk about today that is kind of the same vein as defensive tackle. I don't think it's as urgent as wide receiver or as outside linebacker, but I do think kind of like defensive tackle, if the right guy pops in the portal and is interested in us, I think we should take a look at a potential impact player at running back. Because let's look at what we're going to have next year at that position, guys. Kenny McIntosh, I think is as good as gone. I think he's going to go to the NFL. Kendall Milton, up in the air, you know, it'll be his fourth year. He could come back and be a senior, but typically, you know, running backs have a short shelf life. They like to get the NFL. And sometimes some of these running backs that even weren't like feature guys in their teams, they make what you might look at on the outside as an inexplicable decision to go pro, declare for the draft. But they're looking at like, hey, I got to get mine while I can, when my body's still good. So I don't know. I know Kendall's dad was vocal on social media. He's going to be a three-year guy early in his career. At least I remember that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, he's dealt with some injuries. So maybe he wants to come back and put together a full year. It's possible. Kind of up in the air. I just don't know there. I assume Dejan Edwards is going to be back. Branson Robinson will be back and he'll get more of a, of a role next year. And obviously he, he was a highly recruited guy that we're all very high on. We've seen some really good stuff from him, especially that Auburn game this year. Andrew Paul was a guy that I was really high on. They've got him late in the cycle last year. Kind of a, a guy that was a late riser. We uh, sw- kind of swooped in and, and took him from Clemson late. He wasn't committed to Clemson, but Clemson thought they had him, and we came in there and got him, and he was doing some good things in fall camp, but he tore his ACL. Man, that's just terrible. Tore his ACL in fall camp, and so he'll be back next year, but a running back in his first year coming off ACL, like I, he'll be cleared, but like is he going to be back to his old self? You never know. It's one of those things kind of up in the air also. So if Kendall leaves, if Kenny leaves, that leaves us with Dejan Edwards, Branson Robinson, and Andrew Paul um, on the roster from this year. And I think we have no choice but to bring in at least two more running backs. Now, we have one committed right now in Roderick Robinson out of, out of California. And this dude, like, he's growing on me, man. The first time I saw his tape, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. But the more I watch it, I'm like, okay, no, this guy, this guy is legit. He's a big dude. 6'1", 230. He actually was just named the California football player of the year. They, their team, his team just won their state championship. He went for over 200 yards. was a big reason why they won that state championship. And here's the thing with him. When you watch him on tape, it really kind of looks like he's moving in slow motion. It does not look like he's moving that fast. It looks like he's kind of like jogging, like he's not even running. Like really, if you watch tape, you're like, is he like running full speed or is he jogging? 
But he was clocked at 21.9 miles per hour this year. And those numbers don't lie. They don't lie. So that is, I mean, that's like elite speed. So he's the kind of guy that might not always be at top end speed, but when he gets going in the open field, you can see this on tape, when he gets going in the open field, that guy can absolutely fly, but he's got really good vision, good feet for a big guy. And I'm really, I'm getting higher and higher on him by the day. Like every time I watch this film, I'm like, okay, I like you more and more. So he's going to be one of those guys, but who's going to be the next guy? Like, who is the other guy? We're going to bring another guy in from the high school ranks, potentially, uh, if Justice Haynes wants to come, if, if we can flip him from Alabama, which is still a long shot, but he's listening. We're still going in home. He's letting us come into his house. We're doing an in-home visit. So like we have a shot. I think it's a long shot, but there's a shot there. Maybe it's him, but if it's not him, do you take a chance on another high school guy? Um, if there's a guy you really like, sure, take him. But I think you also have to explore the transfer portal and maybe take a, an impact guy there. Uh, a guy like Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina who just entered the portal this week averaged 5.2 yards a carry for for the Gamecocks this year, had 176 yards receiving, was banged up towards the, the back half of the season, but he was their featured guy to open the year, and he's a really talented player. He's a, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's like Kenny, but he can, also, he can run the ball between the tackles and do everything that we do in our run game. He's also a threat out of the backfield in the receiving game like Kenny McIntosh is. So Marshawn Lloyd's a guy I would certainly look at, and, and I, I mentioned him not only because he's from the SEC, but when he committed to South Carolina, we recruited him heavily. And he ended up going to South Carolina. I think we kind of backed off a little bit there, but we were certainly heavily involved in recruiting and we had a relationship there. So that's kind of built in. So it's kind of natural that he might want to take a look at Georgia, especially with how we run the football and how our offense is structured. So that's a name to watch there. Another name that I would take a look at is Dylan Johnson from Mississippi State. Now I know he kind of took a parting shot at Mike Leach and rest in peace, Mike Leach, man. Going to miss you, dude. That's just incredibly saddening news. I'm just really, really, really saddened by that. But um, I know you've seen that a lot all over the place this week. I don't want to go any more in depth there, but rest in peace, Mike. Thinking about you, man. But uh, I know he took some parting shots at Mike Leach and it seemed kind of immature, but in terms of being a player, the guy can play, man. I mean, they don't run the ball a ton at Mississippi State, but when he got chances, he was very effective running the football. He's also a guy, obviously, in that offense, the air raid offense, that was a major threat receiving the ball out of the backfield. So he's a guy that I would certainly spin the tires on and take a look at as well. But again, running back, kind of like he was a tackle, not not crazy urgency in those positions in terms of getting a guy from the portal, but if the right guy is there and we think he can be an impact player, I think there could be a need there for a guy like that. There's absolutely no need to reach at running back. I feel really good about Branson Robinson. I love Dejan Edwards. Maybe Kendall Milton comes back. I don't know. We'll see what happens there. At even to tackle, we have a lot of really good players, have a lot of experience, but I think we could use a game changer there. And if that game changer presents himself, you've got to at least take a shot. But all right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I wanted to address the transfer portal directly head on with a full dedicated episode. So glad we were able to do that today. Charlie's going to be back with me on Friday to do bowl picks part one. It's our first part of our bowl picks. I think we're going to do up to like December 28th, and then we'll come back in a week or two with bowl picks part two. So we're going to give you a bunch of winners there. Bowl season starts on Friday. I am pumped up for it, so make sure to check in on that. And while you're at it, go ahead and sign up for a new account at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code UGA so you can use all the picks that we're going to give you. And guys, I am like diving in to all these bowl games this year. I'm doing a lot of research on these games, so we're going to have some winners for you. I want to help make you guys some money for the holiday season. Season, so jump in on that but thank you for being here guys thank you for listening i'm tyler and as always go dogs <laughs>